The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, well, we're in a series called Relation Slips, and uh, we're talking about how to get on the right footing in the relationships of our life, because relationships can be a slippery slope. And if we're not careful, we can, we can mess up our relationships really bad. And relationships are vital to who it is God has called us to be and the impact that God wants us to have in this world. And so we're looking for the next several weeks at what God has to say about our relationships and how we can get on this better footing. If you were here last week, uh, we talked about how the pro- one of the biggest major problems that we have in relationships is that we have an enemy of relationships, that the devil... Wants to, wants to mess up our relationships. He wants to ruin us and, and our connection with other people. And so he comes at us and he tries to attack us in our relationships. In fact, that's, the, that's how he began to attack uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. The first relation slip that ever took place had to do with Satan interpreting God to people in the wrong way. And so they began to question God, which led them to sinning, which led to this, the fall of man. And when their connection to God got messed up, it messed up their connection to each other. And we've all kind of stepped into that. That this allowing the enemy to interpret can really mess up our lives. And so if you were here last week, we talked about three things that we can do to make sure that we don't allow the enemy to interpret the people that we love in our life to us. And the first thing we talked about is we believe the best. That we don't assume the worst about the people in our life, but we believe the best. The second thing we do is we talk to people. That when we're not sure what somebody's thinking, we're not sure what somebody's intentions were, rather than just kind of burying that in the dark, which is what the enemy wants you to do, we bring that out into the light and we allow God to, and we allow the truth to come out because the Bible says we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. We can know the truth about the situation, be it good or bad, at least we know the truth when we talk about it. And then the last thing we do is we're intentional about who we're going to allow to be the interpreter of our life. That yes, the enemy wants to interpret people to you, but so does God. God wants to be the interpreter of your life. And through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit, we have access to someone who can guide us into wisdom and truth and knowledge. And so we connect with God and we choose to make him our interpreter. Now today, we're going to continue and we're we're laying a lot of groundwork. We're going to get real practical uh, starting next week in in our relationships. But I want to lay some more groundwork for you today in how you can have healthy, good, godly relationships and, and really, we got to start today by looking at our relationship with God and how we connect to God and, and this relationship and, and how we see God is really what I want to talk to you about because I want you to understand something. How you see God has a lot to do with how you receive from God. Think about this. If you have someone in your life and you see them as being someone who's distant, who doesn't really care about you, who doesn't really have your best interest in mind... That's probably not someone you're going to want to have a relationship with, right? And, and far too often, that's just kind of how we perceive God to be. We, we don't really know God like we should. And so we, we fall into the relation slip of not knowing him well enough to connect with him and not seeing him in the proper light. And so I want to talk to you about this today because here's the thing. I want you to understand. If you're taking notes, write this down. God never wanted to be your religion. God does not want to be your religion. That's not what he wants for you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. 
He wants you to have the kind of relationship where you walk with him day in and day out. And you're connected with him. And the Bible talks about this kind of relationship that he wants to have with you as being the relationship that's similar to that of a father and a child. In fact, the Bible talks about this being this idea of what's called sonship. Now, maybe you're here today and you're a lady and you're going, well, how does this factor into me? When I talk about sonship, I'm not talking about, you know, God and men or or males. This idea of sonship is actually something that we all step into. In fact, if you have your Bible, Galatians 3.26, you can look up here with the screen if you don't have your Bible. But it says this, for you are all, everybody say all. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So this isn't talking about males. It's talking about, really, it's talking about relationship, this sonship concept. Now, maybe you're still sitting here and bothered by this, ladies. Well, listen, us guys in Scripture are called the bride of Christ, okay? So just going to have to get over that, okay? But the idea here is that we are connected to God in a relationship, and this relationship is, is a father to a child kind of relationship. And this is huge for how you perceive God, okay? Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, talking about what Jesus did and, and how we can now connect to God through what Jesus did. It says this, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive, now look at this, this is awesome, the adoption as sons. It's talking about us being children here. And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, Paul is talking to the church of Galatia in this, and, and, and he's, he's introducing to them this concept that you have to understand this was a big deal in this time. Now, maybe you've, you've, you've heard about Father God before, and so this isn't like mind-blowing to you today, but at this time in, in human history, this was, a, this was crazy. These people were the people that grew up with the Old Testament God. This is what they knew of God, that God was... A distant God, that if you didn't approach him exactly the right way or if you messed up, you could die, right? Like if you touched the Ark of the Covenant, you would be barbecued over that, dropped dead. And, and, and if you didn't come to God exactly the way you were supposed to, that, that man, it, it could be the end of your life. But Jesus comes along, he changes how we can approach God. And, and it, it says here that we can approach him from this idea of, of him being an Abba, Father to us. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But, but here's the thing. I think there's a lot of people, and, and while we, we read this verse and we kind of maybe understand that God is our Father, we don't live like that. We still live seeing Him the wrong way. Now look at this next verse, verse 7. It goes on to say this. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son a, or, or a child. Now, Paul is, is, is contrasting these two kind of big differences of how you might see God. Not as a slave, but as a son. And here's the deal. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. You know Jesus. You've made him the Lord of your life. But if you still perceive God like he is a, a slave master, then you're, gonna receive from, you're not going to receive from him the right way. And there's a lot of people that, and, and maybe in some areas you've, you see God as a father, but then there's other areas of your life that you still perceive him kind of like this slave relationship where you're not exactly sure where you, where you stand with God or how you can approach him. And so I, I want to camp out on this concept today, kind of look at this and, 
and dig into this, the difference between a slave and a son. Because listen, you are sons and daughters of Jesus today, of God. And, 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 and you need to come to God from that place. Okay, so let's, let's look at this together. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at what it means to be a slave or a son. The first thing I want you to write down is this. A slave has a master. A slave has a master. And a master is hard to know how you can approach. If you're a slave and you have a master, you're hoping for the best when you go to your slave master. But you don't really know how he's going to, the mood that he might be in, how he's going to see whatever it is that you're requesting or asking. And so you feel like you've got to come from this very lowly place of, of obligation, of I'm not good enough, I'm not great enough, but would you do this for me? And, and, and that mentality is, is not how God wants you to come to him. I heard about a church recently, there's this church in, in Mexico that people have this kind of thinking when it comes to God. And so this church, in, in a way of kind of some form of penance to God, they come to church walking on their knees, like, like they, they crawl into the church. And so some of these people are coming from, from miles away to, to enter into this church, and there's, there's literally going into the doors of this church, there's a trail of blood from the people who have been walking on their knees to try to, to get into the church to kind of prove to God how much lower they are to him. Listen, that's a slave mentality. And that is not how God wants you to see him today. Because listen, you're not a slave. You're a son. And while a slave has a master, if you're taking notes, write this down. A son has a father. A son has a father. And God is your father. Now, something I've learned about kids you know, my kids, I try to be a really good dad to them. And so I've noticed with my kids, they don't, they don't look at me like a master. <laughs> they approach me as a daddy. And, and, and so with the daddy, you can crawl up in a daddy's lap. You can, you know, go to dad and ask him for help, and you don't have to worry if he's going to, you know, slap you upside the head, right? Because that's, that's not what a good daddy does. And the other thing I've noticed about my kids is because... I'm their father and I'm their dad. Uh, it takes a lot of the responsibility off of them. They just trust me in a lot of different areas. For example, when we're going somewhere, like let's say we all get in the car as a family and we're going to go, uh, go to a restaurant. Never on the way to the restaurant do my kids start talking to me and saying, Hey, Dad, are you sure this is the right way? Hey, Dad, I, I think you missed your turn back there. Hey, Dad, I'm, I'm not sure exactly if this is how you get there. They don't do that. Because they don't know where they're going. <laughs> they understand that as kids. Like they understand they have no clue. So they just sit in the back. And I have proven to them time and time again that if I tell them I'm going to take them somewhere, that's where I'm going to get them. So what do they do? They get in the car and they just rest in that. And they, you know, slap each other around and act crazy in the back of the car. They don't worry about if daddy's going to get them to where they need to go. Because listen, that's what daddies do. Daddies get you where you're supposed to go. And you know what? I think sometimes in our life, we've taken on responsibilities that are not ours to take. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you're a child, there are some things that are not your responsibility. See, this is why we need to understand that we're children of God. Because there's some things that we have made our responsibility that are not supposed to be our responsibility. They are God's responsibility. And one of the responsibilities that God has in your life is he's going to get you where you need to go. If you will trust him. If you won't sit in the back of his car and go, hey, God, uh, I think you missed your turn back there. I don't, this doesn't exactly look like the road that I thought we would be going down. Anybody ever feel like that? Like the road that maybe God's got you on isn't exactly the road that you had planned? 
But listen, do we trust God or don't we? Do we believe that our father, our daddy is gonna get us where he says he wants to get us or do we not? We've gotta believe God, we gotta trust God. He's a good father, he's a good daddy. Now look at this verse, this is Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now look at this, you received the spirit of, of adoption. We've talked about this already a little bit, but look at this, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now this word Abba here, in the original language, uh, this word literally meant daddy. And it was a very affectionate term and, and a very intimate term of how you, you come to, to God. And so the, the, this, this verse is telling us that the spirit of God inside of us leads us to approach God from this perspective of him being not just a father, but a daddy, that you can come to God and you can come to him from, from this attitude. And this is how we should see God. Now, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're saying, okay, so are you telling me I need to start calling God daddy all the time? <laughs> like when I'm out talking to my friends and I've been, hey, I was praying last night and daddy told me this, like, it feels kind of weird, especially if you're a guy that just kind of feels weird. But listen, I'm not talking about what you call God. I'm talking about how you see God, how you perceive him. That's what is important here, is that you see God the way you're supposed to. That you see that when you're in trouble and you're in need, you see God as a daddy that you can run to that will help you. There's an amazing story I read this week that pertains to this in Mark 14. I've never seen this before, but this hit me like a ton of bricks. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is, if you've heard this story before, Jesus is in this garden, and he's praying, and he's under tremendous pressure. He's going to the cross. He knows what's ahead of him, the, the physical pain that he's going to have to endure. Beyond that, the sin of all mankind is going to be placed on him. Mill billions of sin is going to be dumped onto him. And this pressure, none of us have ever experienced anything like this to the point that it says that he began to sweat drops of blood. And this is where he's at in this moment. And he goes to his, his father. He goes to God and begins to pray in this moment. And I want you to see something here. Mark 14, verse 35. He, talking about Jesus, went a little farther, meaning he went deeper into the garden. And fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Meaning that, if, is there any way around this? And look at this next verse. This is unreal. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. In this, in this moment of fear and pressure like none of us have ever experienced, I want you to notice something. That Jesus goes to God and he says, Daddy, this is hard. This is tough. Is there any other way? And then he says, but not my will. It's, it, it's just amazing to me how the weakness that we see here in a way and yet the strength that we see at the same time. That he's in this place of fear and pressure and yet also is able to stand in that. But look at what he calls his dad. He calls him daddy. He approaches him from this place of daddy help. 
I need your help. You know, we all need that sometimes, right? Sometimes we're children of God. We need to be able to turn to God and say, Daddy, this is tough. This is hard. I don't have an answer. I don't know what to do. Help me, Lord. Help me, Dad. And we can do that. And you say, well, yeah, Josh, that was, that was Jesus, though. I mean, he was the son of God. He was God's only son. Of course he can do that. But is that really appropriate for me? Absolutely it is. In fact, look at this. Galatians, going back to Galatians 4, 5. I want to, I want to show you something related to God and, and the spirit of God and how he wants you to approach God. Look at this. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying out, Abba, Father. This verse tells us that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in your life is to come and live inside your heart and, and to, to help you to step in this place where you can approach God from this perspective of, of a father, but more than that, of a daddy. Daddy, I need your help. And you can turn to him. Isn't that awesome? We're not slaves. We don't serve a master. We're sons, and we have a father. Next thing I want to show you this morning is a slave is an employee. If you're taking notes, write that down. A slave is an employee. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were at a restaurant, and uh, you know, you, you've been to restaurants before. Obviously, you go into a restaurant, and you, you go in, and sometimes if it's busy, you've got to give them your name, and you've got to wait there a little bit. So we go into this restaurant, and, and we've got all five of us, and when we get in there, there's another family ahead of us, and so we, we go up to the front, and we give them our name, and then there's more people coming in behind us, and there's several people waiting in the waiting area, and, and I've been there before. This is normal, only what made this different was there was no one in this restaurant <laughs> Like there's, you know, you've been there before where you're looking around and there's all the tables are, full, tables are full. That wasn't the case. Like every table in the place, there's 25 tables I can see. And yet all of us are standing in the lobby waiting. And this hostess looks like she could not be in any more of a, you know, could, could not move any slower. It's like she is the sloth from Zootopia, right? She doesn't care. She's just slowly moving along and she disappears for a while and then comes back and is like blunt party of five and then kind of walks us over to the table about like this and we're just like, okay, and there's nobody in this place. Now, I don't know her story, but I, I bet you this. I promise you she is not an owner of that restaurant, right? Because if she was an owner, if she had some real stake involved in this, she would have every table filled. She'd be moving a lot quicker, but she's just... An employee. She just sees herself as someone just kind of going through the motions, just trying to get by. And that's how a slave thinks when it comes to the things of God. When it comes to the church, we see, they see themselves as just kind of, oh, this is just, you know, I got to do some of this stuff. I have to do it, so I'll do it. I'll, I'll serve every once in a while. I'll do whatever I have to do from time to time, but, but I don't own this. But listen, a son is different. A slave is an employee, but a son, on the other hand, is an heir. Take a note, a son is an heir. Look at this, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, look at this, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs. This is nuts, guys. <laughs> joint heirs with Jesus Christ, right? Pretty cool. Now, here's the thing. A, a son speaks of a relationship, right? But an heir speaks of an inheritance. An inheritance, this is how an inheritance works. Somebody has had to go before you and has had to make a way and has had to prepare things that you get to step into that you didn't necessarily earn other than the fact that you are in relation to this person. That's what an inheritance looks like. And that's exactly 
what God has done for us. That through Jesus, we have an inheritance. As children of God, we get to step into this relationship with God where we're not just his children, but we're his heirs. We have an inheritance through Jesus Christ. And beyond that, we become owners of the things of God. That means that we become owners in the church. That we become owners of reaching out to other people and helping them to see see God. Man, that's what I want for you at New Song Church. I want you to move beyond a slave mentality to see this church. This isn't my church. This isn't Josh Blunt's New Song. This is our church. This is your church. We want you to own this church. We want this to be a part of who you are. We want you to see it as your place. You know, me and Sarah, we have, uh, we have people over to our house from time to time. We own a house. And we, we, we love our house, and we, we have a special home for our children, our family. And sometimes we have people come over, and when we have them over, we like to, we like to make things nice for them. So we'll go get you know, special drinks and, and juices and teas and stuff, and we'll get some cakes, and we'll get whatever. You know, if, it's, if David Terry's coming over, we get a big old thing of gummy bears because he can eat like pounds of those things. We'll do whatever it takes to make it nice. We'll clean everything up because we're hosting a guest. And we, want, we own it, and we want people to be, come into this place and, and experience what God has done for us in an amazing way. And so we'll set out special plates. We even have special silverware. In fact, just the other day, I, I came home, and, and I walk into the house, and there's this box of silverware sitting on the island in our kitchen. And I got really excited, and I'll tell you why. Because at our home, for some reason, we have no normal-sized spoons. <laughs> now, I have my theory of what happened to those spoons, Sarah. But we don't. So in our home, like if you're going to have a bowl of cereal, you either have to get like a, 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 a spoon with like Woody and Buzz on it that's like tiny, you know, and eat one little thing at a time. Or you have to get like a ladle out of the, and get your mouth to open to, to extents it's never supposed to go to. And these, these are your options. So I see these spoons. I'm like, yes, spoons, normal spoons. And so I'm all excited. I start, oh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to get all this out. I'm going to set it all up. Sarah's going to, I'm an awesome husband. I'm going to make this just great. So I start getting it all out. You know, you got to take all the plastic off and those little demonic little things that they wrap around stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Those little twist ties that I don't know who, what demon in hell they get to do this, but I have to unwrap all that stuff. And I'm getting it all out. I'm thinking I'm, I'm the best husband ever. And Sarah walks in and she goes, what are you doing? Now, you've been here before, guys, right? Your wife comes in and she says this, and you don't know what you're doing, but you know you're doing something wrong. And so I'm in that moment of like, and and what do you do? All you can do is kind of sheepishly say what you're doing. So I was like, I was getting the silverware out? She goes, that's not for us. And so now I'm thinking, oh, great, this is probably like a wedding gift for somebody, and I've opened it all up and ruined it. And, but she, then she goes on, that's, for when, people co- that's when, for when guests come over. And so now my brain is going, wait, what, what? So what you're telling me is, and I tell her this, what you're telling me is, we don't have any good spoons, and now we do, but I can't use them. And she says, exactly. <laughs> and so what do you do, guys? Peace, right? Okay, where do you want me to put these? So I put them away, and I haven't touched them since, because I, I, I love her, and I love peace, right? But here's what I'm getting at. When, when we have guests over, we want to make it special for them, right? Because we, we want them to experience something. We want, them to, we want them to be able to kind of take ownership in our home and, and have a good time. And what if we had this same kind of mentality when it came to, to the church and to the things of God? Here's what that would look like. You're walking up into the parking lot of New Song Church. And you see a piece of trash on the floor. 
Well, just like if, or on the, in the parking lot, well, just like if you were at your house and there was a piece of trash in your front yard, I would hope that you would be the person who would go pick that up and throw that away because you want things to be presented in a nice way. You don't want anything to get in the way of people, you know, seeing, or distracting from what God wants to do in their life because you are an owner. This isn't my church. This is our church. We want it to look good. You go into the church and you see somebody walking around and they look like they don't know where they're going. Maybe this is their first time there. Instead of just thinking, well, that's somebody else's responsibility. Just like if you were in your house and somebody was, that you invited over was looking for the bathroom, you wouldn't just say, well, they'll figure it out eventually. You'd walk up to me and say, hey, can I help you? Are you looking for the restroom? It's down the hall on the right. Or what? It, that's what we do because we, we're owners in this, right? We help people out. We serve people. It's not just, we're not just waiting on a responsibility. We see ourselves as owners. This is our church. This is, we're, we're in this with God. We're owners. We're not slaves. We don't have to do this. We get to do this with the Lord. All right? Sons are heirs. Heirs have an inheritance. And heirs are owners. That's how we need to approach the things of God. Okay? The next one is this. A slave is driven by duty. Philippians 2, verse 12 says this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, let me stop real quick. Uh, understand this, this isn't talking about you working hard to earn your salvation. The Bible is very clear that our salvation is something we receive by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. That means it's favor that we don't deserve, that we just receive. You can't earn it, it's something that is freely given. And you receive it by making Jesus the Lord of your life. So it's not talking about earning your salvation, it's talking about uh, showing the results of your salvation here. Okay, so work out, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now look at this. This is amazing. For God is working in you. Now know this. He can only work in you if you've received him as your Lord and you've received that gift of grace. Now he can begin to work in you, giving you, and this is awesome, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now this is like, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because I've experienced this in my life. This is, this is talking about moving beyond the duty of what you have to do to God coming and changing your heart where you get to do what you love to do. You see, I don't want Christianity to be a thing for you where you're just going through the motions and you have to do certain things. You have to read your Bible and you have to pray. And you have to, you know, I have to do this. I have to serve. I, or, or, or not doing what you know you shouldn't do. I, I, I know I shouldn't sin, so I better not do that. No, I want, I want you to know God. Because if you come to know God, it will cha- he'll change your heart. And your, your heart will change. And he'll give you the desire and the power. He'll change the desires of your heart where you get to do what you love to do. It's not trying, it's not trying to will yourself to not do what you, you used to do. God changes you. That's gospel, my friends. That's good news. That's what the gospel is. It's not that you have to live the rest of your life passionately trying not to mess up or having to do a bunch of stuff you hate. It's that God changes you where you get to do what you love And it's amazing, but you step into that by knowing God. That's why we major on that at New Song Church. If someone was to come up to you and they were to say, hey, what's New Song Church all about? Here's what I'd want you to tell them. We want to help people know God. Not not learn about what he's like, but really come to know God. We don't want people to have an informationship with God. I think I made that word up this week as I was writing this. An informationship, meaning that you just have a lot of information. We want people to have a relationship with God. And listen, I grew up in church, and I had an informationship with God. 
I, I, I knew everything. I really did. I knew everything I know today, I pretty much knew at, at some level. I knew what the Word of God said. I knew the principles of Scripture. I knew a lot of this stuff, but I didn't have a relationship with God, and I was getting my, my head kicked in. Sin was dominating me. I was a mess. And, and finally, I got to this place. I couldn't stand it anymore. And I turned to God in this moment, and, and I stepped into a relationship with God. And I began to start really getting to know Him, not religion, but really getting to know Him. And He began to change me. He changed my heart. He repaired my marriage. He changed everything. And this is what we desire for people to walk in. Not just go to church, not just go through the motions, but really come to know a living, loving Jesus who is for you. Listen, you're not a slave. We're not driven by duty. We're sons and daughters of God. And as sons and daughters, we are driven by devotion. Sons and daughters are driven by devotion. There's a story that kind of relates to this a little bit in, in, in uh, Luke chapter 10. Where Mary and Martha, you probably heard this story before, they're having Jesus over to their house. It's Martha's house. And, and she's trying to make everything really great. And so Jesus comes in and and, and he sits down, and Mary comes and sits down, like, at his feet, and just begins to listen and kind of spend time with him. Well, meantime, Martha's running around trying to get everything arranged, trying to get everything just right, and she's watching her sister not help her out at all, and it's aggravating her, to the point that she finally comes to Jesus about this, and is just like, hey, are you seeing this? Like, you, you know I'm all alone in this. And she says this, uh, she says she, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> awesome. Just, Jesus, tell her to help me. So cool. Jesus says this, Martha, Martha. For some reason, every time I read that, I always think of Marsha, Marsha, Marsha from the Brady Bunch. Martha, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has, look at here's the key word, chosen what is better. What did Mary choose? She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and to spend time with him. She chose to know him. That was her choice. And listen, that's a choice that each and every one of us have to make. Getting to know God is not something that just some people get and some people don't. It's a choice that we have to make. And this is a huge passion of mine because I know how much this will impact everything in your life. You know, we're talking about relation slips. And I know if you come to know God the right way, really know him, it will change all your other relationships. It will change everything if you really come to know God and see him for who he is. So as we close out the service, I want to give you three things that you can do to help you come to know God in a greater way. Three things, all right? Number one is this. See God as Father. We've talked about this a little bit already, but, but how do you see God? Do you see him as a father? When you, when you think of God, what comes to your mind? Is he this distant being that you can't quite figure out? Or is he a father? Now, here's one of the biggest problems with this idea of God being a father. Some of us had really bad fathers here on the earth. And I'm convinced that bad earthly fathers affect how we connect with our heavenly father. In fact, I believe that the enemy uses bad fathers and works to, to break up relationships between 
sons and daughters and fathers, earthly fathers, so that he can affect the way we see our heavenly father. And I know there's probably some of you in here and you had dads that were at all different levels. Maybe your dad was distant, just wasn't connected with you. Maybe he felt like a slave master. He felt like you couldn't just go to him. Maybe your dad was abusive. Maybe your, maybe your dad took advantage of you. I, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I am. Because I know how that hurts. I've, I've never experienced it personally. In fact, I had an amazing dad. I, I honestly could not have asked for a better father. My dad was loving and humble and he, I mean, I couldn't imagine having a better dad. I was given this gift of an amazing dad. I can't imagine what it'd be like to have someone in that position that you can't turn to, you can't run to, you can't. I can't imagine how that would affect your life. But here's what I want you to understand today. You cannot allow relationships here on earth to affect the way you see God. You got to choose not to do that. It's a choice you have to make. Because here's the thing I, I've come to understand. I had an amazing dad. But what I've learned over the, over the years is my father in heaven, compared to the greatest dad this earth has ever known, that earthly father pales in comparison to who God is as a father to you. He's an amazing dad that you can run to, that loves you and wants to help you and is always for you, that you can crawl up in his lap when you're afraid, when you don't know what to do, and he will never shun you. He will never shame you. He loves you dearly. And he's your father, and you can run to him. So number one, we see God as a father. Number two, we approach God through relationship, not rules. Approach God through relationship and not rules. You know, in my home, we have rules with our kids. We have rules that we've set in place, and rules are good. You need to have rules with your kids. They, they provide boundaries, and those boundaries give your kids areas that they can play freely in. And so we have lots of rules in our home, but there are things that my kids can do in our home that will help them to, to step sometimes outside of the rules and into the grace of the Father. <laughs> and one of the ways they do this is through relationship. Uh, my daughter, Bo, is, is good at this. Uh, she knows, she loves to hang out with me. She's the one that if I'm ever going to run errands and she's at home, she'll say, Daddy, can I go? She loves to go with me. And so she'll get in the car and we'll be driving down the road and we're just talking and laughing and listening to music and having a big old time. And the next thing she knows, she's got a 44-ounce Slurpee, a bag of chips, and a candy bar, right? Why? Because she's spending time with me. And I love it. I love my little girl just wants to be with me. Hello? That's amazing. She's like a mini ver- I don't know if you've seen her. She's like a tiny version of my wife. So she just owns me, right? And so we get out, and, and I love her. I want to bless her. When she spends time with me, I want, to, I want to bless her. And listen, I believe this is the heart of the Father. Yeah, there's rules, and there's things in this world, but listen, when you just want to be with God, when you just spend time with him, and it's not because of duty, it's not because of obligation, you're not praying because it's what you're supposed to do, you're praying because you want to connect with God, you're reading the Bible not because it's just what you're supposed to do, you're trying to gain knowledge of the word, you're trying to gain knowledge of a relationship with God, you're serving in the church, and it's not because it's out of obligation, it's because you're serving Jesus. When you do it that way, man, that, that pulls at the heart of God, I'm telling you. It opens you up for God to bless you and to sow into your life because he's looking to do it. He wants to know that you just want to be with him. 
Because he's a good daddy. Just like if you're a dad in here and your kid comes up to you and they just want to be with you, melts your heart. Imagine how much more it does to a God who loves at a much deeper level than we could ever experience. So we got to connect with God. We got to approach him to this place of relationship, not rules. And then number three, you got to give God your whole heart. Give God your whole heart. Go all in with God. Look at this verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. says, you seek, God, this is God talking, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all. Everybody say all. All your heart. I will be found. Notice it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That when we, we pursue God, we go all in with him, that we will find him. Now think about this, if, if that's true, then kind of the opposite of that, the antithesis of that, is that if we don't seek him with all, we won't find him. And, and you know, I've, I've met people before and they've said stuff like, well, I tried that Christianity thing and it just didn't work for me. No, 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 <laughs> it didn't work for you because you didn't go all in. You gotta go all in. God tells us, I, I will be found, declares the Lord, if you seek me with all of your heart. And there's a lot of us that we don't step into that, and so we don't, we don't have the kind of relationship God really wants us to have with us. Our, our relationship is almost a facade. There was a story that came out a few years ago about a football player. And this guy, uh, it was this amazing story, and this guy was a college football player on a team that was in the hunt for the national championship at the time. And uh, he was having an incredible season. He was, he was in the running for the Heisman Trophy and just kind of this storybook story. Well, in the middle of this, there was a story that came out about his girlfriend. He had a girlfriend that had had, had a car accident. And uh, in the car accident, um, there, she didn't have major injuries, but it was enough that she needed to go to the hospital and be checked out and x-rayed. Well, as they were checking her out, they discovered that she had cancer. And within just a few months, she dies. She's dead. And, and so the story's kind of going on, and we hear about it after the fact of how this guy would, would call her up and talk to her, and she was in a coma, and he couldn't even, couldn't even talk to her. He would, just, he would get on the phone and talk to her. She couldn't talk back, and he would hear reports of how her spirits were lifted, and her vital signs would go up as he would talk to her. And so the country is just, like, blown away by this story. Like, it's an amazing story, this guy and his, his love for this girl and all this stuff, and it's a really amazing story. Until it was found out that it wasn't true. It was, now it wasn't that the story wasn't true. It was that the girl wasn't true. The girl didn't exist. Some reporters began to, to look into this and try to, you know, find information about this girl. They couldn't find an obituary about her. They couldn't find any records of her schooling, birth certificates. So, uh, couldn't find any family connected to her. They couldn't find anything other than a social media profile. So what came out later is that this guy had been catfished, which is means that somebody had created a profile and created friends and all this stuff, this network of people, and had gone after this guy and connected with him, and he, he bought into it. It turned out it was a guy, a dude that did this, and some of his friends that totally duped this guy. And you hear the story, and you're just like, how in the world can this happen? Like, if he did talk to her on the phone, who was he talking to? And, you know, it's just one of these things you just go, how could you, how could you have a relationship like this with someone that you've never really met? And yet, I, I think about it, I think sometimes as Christians, 
we settle for this kind of relationship with Jesus. I think sometimes as Christians, we're, we're, we get satisfied with the Jesus profile page. You know, we, we know what we've, we've heard from our parents. We know what we've heard through the preachers at church. We know what we've heard through friends about Jesus, but maybe we've never really had an encounter with him. We don't know him personally. I want you to know something today that Jesus doesn't, the one who died for you on the cross, he doesn't want to be a Facebook friend. He doesn't, he wants to be close to you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be the greatest friend of your life. And, and I believe this, I believe that our relationship with God should be such that when the world looks at us and looks at our connection with God and looks at our relationship with God, that they, they easily find evidence that it exists. Because listen, God is passionately pursuing you today, wherever you may be in this place. He is not catfishing you. He is not someone that he says he is, but he's really not. He, he is exactly who he says he is. And he wants to be in your life. So don't settle for an information ship with him. Step into your relationship. Pursue him. Go after him. You're going to have to go all in. It's going to have to be more than just this. It's going to have to be more than once a week or once whenever, you know, it's convenient enough to crawl out of bed and go to church on a Sunday. Ouch. <laughs> it's going to have to be more than just this in your groups. It needs to be something that you live in daily. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to walk with you daily, every day. That's a relationship. He wants to be close to you. And if you get this relationship right, I'm telling you, all the other relationships of your life will begin to order themselves. It'll fix everything. When you come to know God in the right way and see him the right way, it changes the way you see the world. It'll fix everything. We gotta know God. If you would, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm gonna ask you a question that we ask here at New Song Church all the time. And that is this, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message? What is God saying to you today? Maybe you look at your life and, you know, maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but maybe you can see that you've got some slave mentality in some places. That you haven't really connected with him like you know you should. That you're not walking with him in a relationship. It's more of an information ship. And God wants to connect with you in a greater way today. Maybe you're here today and you've never even started this process with God. You've never made him the Lord of your life. And you want to make that decision today. You want to experience the grace of God, this, this favor. You want to become a child of God. That's something that you can claim when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. You become a child of God. You were adopted into the family. You become an heir to the things of God. You have an inheritance. You become an owner of what God's doing in this world. Wherever you may be today, I'm here to tell you that God is waiting for you. And he wants you to go deeper. Maybe you're in here today and you've been pursuing God really well, but you feel that God is asking for more of you today. For you to dig a little bit deeper, go a little bit harder. I want to encourage you, whatever God is saying to you today, let's be obedient. Let's obey. Let's listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And let's take those steps that need to be taken.